You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Fortinet Championship. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, welcome back. Happy new season. It's quite the break we got. I mean, I, we took so much time off, uh, but I'm, I'm happy to be back. Let's do this thing. Greg Ducharme is here. And Greg, we were talking before we went hot. Yes, it's only, we only had the one week off, but now going back to a full field cut event, it, it kind of has been a while since we've had one of these. Yeah, the, uh, the last two events of the postseason were a little unique. And so here we are. Um, look, a lot of people in the offseason are taking – you know, they're a little lethargic. They're taking vacations. They're going down to the beat. They're 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 relaxing in the off season because they need their rest. But I don't know about you guys, but I was practicing lineup builds. I was I was <laughs> working on my game, honing my skills, and I feel like this season, um, there, there's a new me coming to town. I was practicing my my clicking finger. I was strengthening my right index mm-hmm. finger to be ready to rock and roll for draft player. That's draft right. player. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> the that's thing. Funny. The 2022 uh, season and and really see, I think the storyline for this week, outside of the fact that this is a new sponsor and I'm going to probably mess that up 15 times throughout the week is the field. Not only are we getting the finally, the finally, the influx of Corn Ferry Tour graduates, the ones that we've been putting off for quite some time. But, oh, by the way, the number one player in the world, John Rahm, uh, has thrown his name in the ring and he is. Uh, a sizable, I don't want to say he's not the favorite. He is technically the favorite to win. He's not like the odds on favorite to win, but he has very, very short odds. Some of the shortest odds we've ever seen. There's really a lot to unpack this week. Yeah, it's funny because you think, you know, some of the guys in the 7K and 8K range are probably like, hey, hey, John, can can you can you lay off for one tournament, you know, at the beginning? So like some of us can can get some of these scraps here. But I mean, he's certainly not a shoe in to win. But I mean, we're going to talk about him in a few minutes. It's very interesting that he's here and it's going to be hard to get away from him on this course. So uh, or on any course, by the way, I, I should have <laughs> said in this field, by the way. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we got some headliners here. I mean, Webb Simpson's here. Hideki's here. Um, rookie of the year, Will Zalatoris is here. I mean, there's there's definitely some names. And, and for the record, as we'll discuss, there are some names in that middle range that are also pretty good. And some of these uh, up-and-coming stars, they're here. Newly crowned rookie of the year, Will Zalatoris in this field. And Greg, let's let's talk about the course, and I'll share my screen here. Everything that uh, I share, is, it's from my website. It's rickrungood.com. A couple of new things. It might look a little bit different, but all the data, just the same. So Greg, uh, Silverado Resort, this is the north course. We, we've played here plenty of times. We're going back to Napa. And to me, this is a course that, uh, one, rewards driving. You kind of want to be in some of the better angles and all also, it, it turns a bit into a, a wedge fest. There's just a lot of guys hitting those 50 to 125 yard shots into a lot of uh, into a lot of flags. You got a, a, a par 72 
and it's only it's under 7,200 yards. I mean, we saw at Eastlake a par 70 above 7,400 yards. So this golf course is definitely on the shorter side. Doesn't require driver. Although if you look at some of the past winners, we've had a lot of guys who I would classify as strong drivers. Um, Camp Champ certainly comes to mind. Stuart Sink, some of the big improvement that he made, although he's always been a great iron player, um, the big improvement he made last year in route to his return was a, a big gain in distance. Um, as I said, camp champ, Brendan Steele, I would classify him without question as a, a really strong driver of the golf ball. Kevin Tway, when he won was a really strong driver of the golf ball. So I agree with you, Rick driving to the golf ball is very important. A lot of that has to do with some of these dog legs, some tighter tee shots, um, and, and some movement to those fairways. So driving lines become very important. And and I think that's also part of the reason why you see guys tend, they tend to miss more fairways here than normal. Um, so driving accuracy, those numbers will go a little down this week, a little below average, but all in all, uh, driving is definitely a statistic you want to circle. Sia, when you were assessing the course and we had an extra week to do so, uh, not that I'm sure you weren't doing, you weren't doing anything else except assessing the North course at Silverado resort and spa, but yeah, that's it. it. What did you, what did you find when you were diving into this? So, I mean, to Greg's point, we we got a short course. I mean, I I think he's right about driving accuracy. I don't think off the tee is going to be critically important here, but what I do think is like, birdie or better gain, birdie or better percentage, uh, par five scoring. I think that's all going to be really important here. It's one of those, it's one of those courses where it's for, obviously it's a super easy course. The scores are going to be probably in the, the minus 20 range, minus 19, minus 18, something like that. It's one of those courses where you're really looking for birdie makers and you're looking for ball strikers. And it's like, okay, well, I guess you can say that about any course. But the reason I sort of couch it like that is because this is one of those tournaments where I feel like almost anybody can emerge, especially like when you're talking 7K and above. It's one of those tournaments where we shouldn't be surprised when we see some of these, quote, lower end names. And I hate to say it like that, but you you know what I'm saying. If they're near the top five come Sunday afternoon, it should be no surprise here. So especially on a course like this. So, um, yeah, I, I'm looking at strokes gain par five. I'm, I'm looking at birdie or better. Um, and of course, I'm looking at approach numbers as well. Mm. All right, let's jump into this field because uh, we've got an interesting situation here at the top of the board. As we always start with the 10K golfers, uh, there is one who has broken through the $12,000 mark. John Rahm, 12100 More on that in just a second. Hideki Matsuyama is 11000 so an 11 11- hundred dollar gap between John Rahm and Hideki Matsuyama. Webb Simpson is 10.8. Will Zalatoris is 10.5 and Kevin Na is 10,000. See, I'll start with you on this because I know you go back and look at all the historical stuff as well. John Rahm at 12,100 is the most expensive non-tour championship golfer that we've seen since DraftKings really stopped doing this. So if you remember five, six years ago on DraftKings, you'd often get guys in the $13,000, $14,000 range, but they would be offset with guys that were like four and 5,000. They really kind of settled into this mold of keeping everybody between 6,000 and 12,000 in the last couple of years. John Rahm is currently now at a point where he has kind of broken through that mold and, and gotten DraftKings to give him just a hundred dollars more at 12.1. 
if I may, it's because he was the tour championship winner. I mean, let's let's be let's be real about this. I mean, he I mean, I know he wasn't, but wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, I mean, he he probably he should have won the memorial. He would have been in a higher strokes category at the tour championship. He is clearly the best golfer in the world. So not only is this price fair, it, it should probably be higher. We have this discussion sometimes, especially with these weaker fields, where the, the margin between a John Rahm, for example, and really the rest of the crew, you could literally put him at like 13,500 or 13,000 flat, and you'd be like, yeah, that that kind of makes sense, especially when you look at the odds board. So in this range, uh, I got to tell you, I, I absolutely love John Rahm, and it, I think there's a couple other guys to consider, maybe Webb Simpson, maybe Will Zalatoris. Um, if I'm choosing between those two, it's probably going to be Webb. I just think this is just such a perfect course for Webb Simpson. And um, those are the only two guys I'm looking at, because to be honest with you, I really like the 8K range. I really like the 7K range. So I'm going to have a lot of balanced builds with John Rom, which is a little bit of an oxymoron, but you know what I mean. Sia talks a lot about the gap there, and he's certainly not wrong. If you look back at last season's strokes gained numbers, John Rahm gained 2.06 strokes per round. We throw out all the guys with the small sample sizes. It's about eight point or point eight six strokes per round better than the next closest guy. That's Webb Simpson. That is the same gap between Simpson and basically Brendan Todd, who's 24th on this list. I mean, it's just a massive gap when you look at it, Greg. And with the influx of here, here's a situation that I can envision. Um, you've got a lot of people playing on your favorite daily fantasy site, playing football, looking for something to do on Thursday, maybe trying their hand a little bit at golf. And you've got an influx of Corn Ferry Tour players that a lot of them are not familiar with, and they see John Rahm at the top. I think despite the price tag, Greg, John Rahm is going to be very, very popular this week. And he should be. I mean, he he is just hands down, as as you already alluded to, and as Sia already alluded to, he's hands down the best player in the field. And when you see a guy in Hideki Matsuyama at 11,000, and all and and he came in 26th out of 30 at the tour championship. There's a big gap there. So Rom checks every box. Okay, well we know driving is going to be really important. Okay, we'll check that off. He's a um, I, I don't know. See, is he any good on par fives? Uh, I yeah, mean, I, I don't even need. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, he's great there. He had just had his best iron play season on the PGA Tour. His first season inside the top 20 in strokes gain approach. He was eighth last year. Uh, he checks that box. So all around in every aspect, any way you look at it. Um, oh, also recent form. I'm not too shabby as well. So yeah. it, there's there's no way to find. A, OK, this isn't going to do very well for John Rom. Um, he has just simply done really well. And I, I think he played here once before in 2017. Yes. And I think he came in like tied 15th or something. Correct. Um, but it, but a different player. This is a totally different player, and his confidence has got to be oozing. And the other thing, the other ticker that I really like about this, and and not everybody in the field will feel this way. There's really something to play for for him. So sometimes when guys come in and play in the early part of the wraparound season, when big names play, they're just trying to keep their game a little bit sharp. This is maybe one of two or three events that they're going to play between now and maybe uh, and Hawaii or the American Express or Farmers, something like I mean, it might be one of three events that they play between now and February. So right. they're, they're coming in 
to dipping their toes in the water and there's there's not a lot to play for. There's not a lot to look forward to. They're not prepping for a major. They're not prepping for a president's cup. They're not prepping for anything that's going on this winter. But John Rahm has the Ryder Cup going on the following week. And it's clear that his goal is to be sharp going into what he no doubt considers to be a major. So um yeah, I, I think you gotta find a way to get John Rahm on your team. And fortunately, I think there are a lot of good options, a lot of good pathways for that with this influx of corn Ferry tour players with some guys who are not very well-known names, but are playing some really good golf uh, with the corn Ferry tour finals. So I think there's a, a very easy path to get John Rahm on your team. If it's not John Rahm and see, you mentioned Webb Simpson. What I find interesting about the rest of the guys in the $10,000 range is there's not, a lot of experience to be had uh, here in Napa and those that do it's, it's kind of okay. You know, Kevin Na missed the cut in 2020. He played here in 18 and 17, you know, Will Zaltors has never teed it up here. Webb Simpson hasn't played since 2018. Hideki missed the cut last year. And it's just, if it's not Rom, if, if we're starting to construct our lineups and we cannot find a spot for Rom, it seems like you're going for Webb despite what many would say is him coming off of a down year. Right. But we have seen some flashes from Webb, which is encouraging. But honestly, to me, and I'm just talk, talking lineup construction here. If you're fading John Rahm for whatever reason you're fading him, maybe it's because of ownership, because we'll find out that's going to be pretty high. If you're doing that, to me, you, you could just go ahead and skip this range altogether. I mean, Webb is fine. Will is fine. Like, or any of these guys, I suppose. But I might just start my lineup with like a, you know, somebody in the 9K range, like a Cameron Tringali and just get really kind or, or even lower and, and just start with a really super balanced lineup with guys just in the 8K range, for example, 8 and 7K range. Interesting. Okay. So Greg, when you look at the rest of this 10 K range, I mean, we have not seen Will Zalatoris because of the fact that he wasn't a full member and because he didn't get to play in the FedEx cup, uh, playoffs since the Wyndham. So his last two events were FedEx St. Jude. He finished eighth there and then 29th at the Wyndham. And we haven't seen him in basically a month. Could we roll out Will Zalatoris at 10 and a half thousand? Of course you could. Again, we're considering lineups without John Rahm. So if you're going to go away from him, Will Zalatoris also, he had to withdraw from the Open Championship with the back issue, uh, which was concerning. A a lot of rest is probably a good thing for him. And we did see some good form in Memphis and, um, you know, so-so form at at the Wyndham. So I think those are all positives when it comes to Will Zalatoris. He's also a really good driver of the ball. He fits that mold without question, but it's hard for me to look past Kevin Na, and I'm not getting the sense that you guys are, are very um, pro Kevin Na here, but I'm seeing a guy who's, who's honestly, I mean, he's coming off one of his best stretches ever on the PGA tour. And in four of his last six events, he has a top 10 and in the other two, he has a 23rd and a 17th. So his form has been great. His confidence has been high. The knock is his driving. Um, which you can see there, there's a lot of red there, but that's kind of what Kevin Nod does. That's his formula. So while the course fit may not strike the box, um, I, I like the aspect of the golf course where it's a little bit shorter. It's on the shorter side. I think that's going to give him a lot of opportunities to put the ball in play a little bit more, rely on his other strengths a little bit more. Um, and, and I like confidence. I think confidence is the, the top priority. It's the number one thing. When you have a guy who's confident, it can override course fit. It can override a statistical profile because 
that's the way that golf is. And a confident golfer is someone to be feared. So I, I'm looking at Kevin Na, and there's one other thing. Does he have anything to play for? Well, we still have some unknowns with Brooks Kepka. Is he the next guy on the list? Does he feel like this is another opportunity to prove to um to, to prove to captain stricker that he's a guy is he competing with billy horschel who's not playing this week but just one is he trying to be a little bit more recent these, these are things that may not be true at all but if kevin Nob believes them to be true if he still thinks he has one more chance to be first alternate on a team uh, on a Ryder cup team with a guy who's injured well that could be another real motivating factor and um, and again, it doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be realistic. But if Kevin Na believes it, it could go a, a long way for him. I also like that he's at 10,000 flat. I think that's a, um, a a pretty fair price for him. So that's my case for Kevin Na. I understand some of the knocks, but um, uh, man, he's been playing great golf. Six consecutive top 25 finishes for Kevin Na, including four different top eight finishes. Most recently, the Tour Championship in which he, uh, if you ask Sia, I guess would have hoisted half the trophy with John Rahm because they tied a top. It sounded like Sia said he would he would have lost in a playoff to John Rahm. <laughs> oh, is that, is that where he gets that from? Got it. That's pretty uh, much what I said. I, I mean, the, the, it is an interesting case to be made, Sia. L- listen, it's I, I know why he doesn't show up on many like modeling radars is because he does it all via the short game. He's not a very good driver of the golf ball. There is not a confidence metric that we can throw in there and ramp up to 100 and say Kevin Nas feeling himself right now, which he certainly is. But it is a short course. Uh, I worry a little bit about the driving, but this is a guy for two full months has been, I, I don't think it's, you know, much of an exaggeration to say one of the best players on, on tour. Yet, if we embrace the variance of golf, we know that there's probably a correction coming soon, even though he is a good course fit. I, I can't feel more late on Kevin Na than I do this week. And I think <laughs> I that's that's very fair. <laughs> if you didn't buy all the way up to 10,000, it's really hard to buy at 10,000. <laughs> exactly. And, and I'm so glad that uh, Greg talked about Will Zalatoris because I actually think that's the better pivot. We'll see what his ownership is like because maybe he'll be right below maybe Kevin Na and Webb Simpson. I'm not sure. But what was interesting on the graphic that you showed with Will Zalatoris via rickrungood.com was his punch. Putting. The last two tournaments, his putting has turned around quite a bit. And we know how horrific of a putter he was for a few months at a time. And if he has somehow found something with the putter, you join that with his characteristic ball striking. And this is a guy who absolutely could win this tournament. Mm. All right. $9,000 range. Let's jump there. Small range. DraftKings continues to just give us a handful of guys in the $9,000 range. It's Cameron Tringali at 9,700, Mark Leishman at 95, Siwoo Kim at 93. Sebastian Munoz at 92, and then we round it out with HV3 at 91, and our 2020 champ, Cameron Champ. Oh, I almost tongue-tied myself over that one. Um, Greg, what do you see when you look at this $9,000 range? I'm not in love with the $9,000 range, um, which, which may be part of the reason why I, I am a little more pro-Kevin Na than if you're going to fade John Rahm, like we already talked about, and if you don't like, I don't see a, a great starting point here for a lineup, but if you're going to go with a Will Zalatoris or a Webb Simpson or a Kevin Na, the options to me are Camp Champ, and um, and I think Sebastian Munoz is also an option. Um, I'll start with Munoz quick. He has three straight top 30 finishes, which is a, a good thing. Um, I, I would say he fits the mold of a guy who is a pretty good driver of the golf ball. 
so in, in that essence, there could be a there could be a nice fit. You got a guy who's been playing some good golf. He's a positive driver of the ball. I mean, he was 74th last year on tour, and in the year prior, he was 50th. And that's kind of the range where he sits. He's he's pretty good off the tee. Um, he can make birdies. He's 29th last year in birdie average, 4.09, which is pretty good. Um, but but the thing I'd like about him would be the confidence. Um, again, tied 29th at the BMW, tied 21st at the Northern Trust. The Wyndham was tied 29th, and um, he did play in the Olympics where it was a tied fourth finish, whatever you make of that. Um, so the form has been has been pretty good for him. So I, I don't mind him. Cam Champ, on the other hand, at flat 9,000, it feels like a like a – a really smart flyer to take because I, I think the win equity is really high. Um, there's some variance there for sure. I liked what I saw on the greens at the rocket mortgage. I know that was a while ago, but he won. Um, and, and I love what he does off the tee. So I, I think he would be a valuable flyer. He could, he could um, cost you the whole tournament, but at the same time he could win you the whole tournament. So I'm, I'm okay with, uh, with trying out camp champ as well. Yes, even if Cam Champ is a zero putter, which you know for his last five measured events he's been he's been much better than that. He putted really well at the John Deere. He was outside of his mind at the 3M Open, but his last three, if he just lives in that zero world, that's a really good place for Cam Champ to be. Uh, See, there's only a handful of guys here. Um, are, are there any ones that you pick out over another in this range? Not really. I mean, I'm almost sorry I mentioned Cameron Tringali when I was giving you the example of dropping in the 9K range because I really, truly don't love anybody in this range. I I could absolutely see myself taking John Romer, Will Zalatoris, and then completely skipping this range. And the reason is, and and I'll mention a couple guys. I I agree with Cam Champ. I mean, his history here is good, and we know he's he's been good lately. So I I like that. I think Harold Varner might be a little popular. I've already started to hear his name here and there. And anytime Harold Varner is popular, like, I'm, I'm out. Just that's just the general rule with me. I know there's nothing scientific about that, but uh, not for me there. And then, I, you know, I don't really like any of the other guys here. And I just want to point out if you had extended this 9K range, because I feel like sometimes we get caught up, not us three, but people get caught up in the tiers and they're like, well, I'm going to can I really fade you know, everybody from the 9K range? But mm. if you look at the upper 8K range, would it be crazy if Emiliano Grillo Charlie Hoffman and maybe maybe Max Homa, but let's just do Grio and Hoffman. If they were also in the 9K range, everybody would be like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm actually surprised that Hoffman isn't in the 9K range. So with that said, I don't want people to get really hung up on this range and be like, oh, can I really fade this entire range? Because I think there's a few people that are also deserving of this price tag. Oh, one other thing on that, Sia. I was do I did a little Sia exercise today, um, off-season training, building lineups, and I wanted how do you get John Rahm on your team and so I, I clicked John Rahm's name and then I went all the way to the very bottom of the list and I scrolled up simply eye test and I just said okay who am I who am I comfortable taking from starting from the low end of the pricing all the way up and where do where do you end up now a couple of them are flyers and there may be guys that you don't love but you're comfortable okay I'd be comfortable with uh Sahith Thagala right um, I'd be comfortable with um, some of these other corn fairy tour players as you get up there. And I, I got to 7,400. Sahith Tagala was my next highest player at first. And so there's, there's comfortable options down there and it allows you then to chip away. And say, okay. Well, maybe I can do better than, maybe I can do better than this guy. Maybe I can do, and, and you, I work my way up that way. And the $9,000 range is going to, it's going to get left out. If you're a ROM guy, 
it, it's going to get left out. It probably should get left out. So I don't think there's any trouble at all um, with skipping the 9K range, especially when you look at the 8K range, which we'll look at next. Obviously, it's pretty good. I think there's good options, good young players in the uh, 7 and even the 6K range as well. And the only caveat to that is if you're trying to build contrarian GPP lineups, if you were to pick out, let's say, two guys in the 9K range, you're probably, your lineup's probably going to be different than most people. Because I, I agree with Greg. I think the smartest thing is to grab a guy in the, in the top range, like a John Rahm, for example, and then just go down and start building upward from, let's say, the high 6K or low 7K range all the way up to the 8K range. It is, you know, uh, we got to talk about Cameron Tringala here real quick because, um, Sia, I, I don't know if, where you were going. You were, you said that, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I said Cameron Tringale as an option. And I, I think it was a fascinating kind of situation for him. Remember how, how good his driver had gotten. He had gotten so, he had improved so much. I think it was from 19 to 20 with the driver. You can see tons of gains here for the majority of 2021. And then he just kind of limps home with the driver, hemorrhaging strokes with the club uh, nearly on a weekly basis. Now, this is where I've got to figure out, you know, does the the three weeks or maybe four weeks, does that allow these guys to get closer back to their original baseline, right? Like what version of some of these golfers are we going to get? Are they, are we going to get the ones and Max home is going to be an example coming up soon with his putter where he just lost the putter down, down the end of the stretch here. Now that he's had three weeks or whatever to get it right. Do we think that some of these guys return to their baselines? Okay. For, first of all, real quick. He didn't just lose his putter. That's like that you have to pull it up. I mean, okay. his his putting is like un, like unreal the last couple of months. But uh, I, by the way, I, I agree with the sentiment, Rick. I think we've actually seen evidence in the middle of the season of guys taking some time off, like a Keegan Bradley, Charlie Hoffman. They take you know three, four tournaments off, and then they come back, and all of a sudden the ball striking is back again. So if you were going to make that argument, this would be the time to make it. And on Tringale, he he kind of had an interesting schedule. He, he stopped, he shut it down for a month, between, uh, basically August, right? He played the 3M. He came and tied 16th. He didn't play again until the playoffs. And, you know, I think that, I have to think that played somewhat of a role in him not making it to the, uh, for, to the tour championship. And it's almost like he came back to the Northern Trust and it, it was an opportunity to be fresh, but it it didn't show out to be that way. And, and all of a sudden the BMW championship became really costly for him he came in tied 52nd and didn't advance to east lake but so what are you going to get out of that i also thought it was interesting rick when you pulled up the events where he really lost strokes he he lost a lot in those first two events back yeah I did. so is he gonna is he gonna get back on the horse and and regain some confidence off the tee I, i'm not overly confident with that he lost strokes for the whole year last year uh, yeah. um in, in total and I, I, I think guys got to play a little bit and and sometimes time off. It, it takes a couple of reps, continuous reps to get back to that full form you speak of. Okay, fair enough. Uh, apparently the 8K range is where we want to go. There are people, there are guys in there uh, that we certainly like. We'll get to that and we'll go deeper for value. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, 
and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. $8,000 range. Emiliano Grillo at $8,900 all the way down to Taylor Gooch and Mito Pereira at a flat $8,000. Greg, let's start with you here. Uh, a little bit bigger range. I think that uh, to see his point earlier, you could easily move a couple of these guys up to the 9Ks and uh, no one would 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 speak ill of it. What do you see out of this range? There's one guy in this range who I really like um, and, and he's down a well, right in the middle of the range, I guess. I, I like Shea Reve, Ches Reve. Shea Reve. I, I think I think this is a good golf course for him. Um, and, and he has he came and tied third last year. He's got um, in six straight events here, top thirty three finishes, whatever that's worth. I mean, he's making the cut. He's playing well, um, and and he's putting himself in in position. Um, but he's a really accurate driver of the ball. And again, you go to a golf course that's a little bit shorter and it's not a huge concern that he's 190th on tour in driving distance. He's second in driving accuracy and that can really be an asset here. So um, a guy who is 190th in driving distance, but finishes the season 66th in strokes gain off the tee is a, a positive sign on a golf course like this to sign his driver can be a weapon out here and not necessarily because of distance. So uh, that checks a big box for me. He was also 22nd in uh, strokes gain approach the green last year. I think that's a really big asset for him. And the recent form, although it's not great, uh, I, I see a Wyndham championship that didn't go his way. He played well, well back um, at the end of July at the 3M uh, and the Northern trust, went fairly well for him. So I, I think, um, I think Ches Reeve with his ball striking makeup and accuracy model could play really well here at the Safeway this week. Yeah. Gained on approach in seven of his last eight measured events. Also, he's, he's fairly good with some of those wedge ranges. You know, you talk about hundred to 125 uh, yards. He was 44th on tour last year. You go 125 to 150, which is not always a wedge. He was 16th, a little bit further than that. He was 19th, 150 to 175. So it's, he, he is certainly uh, not going to be at a disadvantage around Silverado. Like so many courses that he sees on the PGA tour where he is at a disadvantage because he's not as long as everybody else on the circuit uh sia you let's let's start doing some some grab bag here you know I, you mentioned charlie hoffman earlier i like that i think there's a case to be made that he's like 500 too cheap but i know that there's probably a couple other guys that are going to be popular in this range yeah and it's interesting because a lot of the guys i like including charlie hoffman don't have much of a history here and by much of a history i mean not a good history like they've played here charlie hoffman's one of them you know last year miscut i mean he's just there, there's nothing really good to see there i also like emiliano grio who also doesn't have a good track record here. You know, again, these are like classic ball strikers. I mean, I, I think Hoffman is in a really good spot right now. I think him taking some time off, he came back and he played pretty well. He had some good rounds and some bad rounds. But I think this is the type of field where guys like Rio and Hoffman think they can maybe win if a couple of those top guys just happen to have some bad days. So I, I like those two quite a bit. 
Maverick McNeely is really interesting because his numbers aren't really popping off the page. His approach numbers in particular have sort of failed him as of late, but he is, I mean, he can be quite the birdie maker. I do think this is a, a reasonable course fit for him. So I'm hoping that because his numbers aren't very good, and I'd probably make the same argument with Brio in terms of his history, that that ownership might be down on him because I think he might be a good play. I totally agree with Chez Reedy for all the reasons Greg said. I'll definitely be playing him. I'll give two other names out here. Uh, Brant Snedeker, who is just constantly underrated. I think he, I think, first of all, his course history here is very good. And I think it's he, he's obviously a good course fit because of that. And uh, Mito Pereira, I think, is interesting from an upside standpoint. Let's and go. Rick, if, if you, if, if, by the way, if you guys aren't watching on video, which you should, look, look at Rick, you know, Rick's hands were just in the air. So I, I kind of want to lob that back to you, Rick. Tell me, tell me everything I, we need to know about Mito Pereira. All right, let's do the Mito Pereira thing. So, Guy, first of all, I love the fact that he is not going to be with the group of guys that are, like, playing on the PGA Tour for the first time, and I've got to figure out where everything is and where's the locker room and where do I eat and all that stuff. Doesn't have to do that because he got the battle, the battle, battlefield or battlegrounds promotion. Battlefield promotion. Yep, that's right. Where you win three times on the Corn Ferry Tour, you get automatically promoted to the PGA Tour. So he came on the scene last, basically July 4th. So if we run the numbers from July 4th of last year, when Mito Pereira made his debut, we sort by ball striking, which is, of course, an unofficial PGA Tour stat, but it just adds strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained approach. And we like say, every, give me everybody on tour. Uh, let's see. With a big enough sample size, the only guys better than Mito, Bryson DeChambeau, Victor Hovland, Daniel Berger, Justin Thomas, and Corey Connors. That is a, a group of peers that I would want to be keeping if I was a ball striker on the PGA Tour. That's the case for Mito. Yeah, and it's a really strong case. He was also, Rick, one of the um, one of the second player. He was the second player that I had in this 8K range on my list. Uh, and and these are part of the reasons why. If you look at Corn Ferry Tour stats from last year, for whatever these are worth, they may be watered down uh, in comparison to strokes gain numbers. But tenth in total driving, eighth in ball striking, um, and and a guy who in, it was he made a ton of birdies, four point two five birdies per round. He's sixth in scoring average. He was obviously quite obviously a great player on that tour. But then he comes to the PGA Tour and kind of carries it right over. Yes. I mean, he had he had. It, Two straight at the at the Barbasol and the 3M Open top six finishes. He came in tied fourth at the Olympic uh, the Olympic golf competition, uh, which means he was in that playoff for the for the bronze. So the the guy can flat out play, and I, I love where he, his game is, and I love this golf course for him. So yeah, you can sign me up for Mito as well. Boom. Um, I cannot leave the eight thousand dollar range without talking about Phil Mickelson. I. I'm not I'm not gonna get there. I'm not gonna get there on Phil. Would anyone else like to get there on Phil? No. Uh, no, but he does have a pretty solid history here. So there's something he to be said for that. Yeah, he has 45 wins on the PGA tour. He has a solid history in a lot of places, but this is th that is not it's not that Phil. It's Look, if you were if you were gonna make a case, the the movement to the golf course, the fact that it's in California. Um, the, these are it, it kind of reminds me with some of the tee shots although the elevation is totally different to the WGC Mexico, where it's a tight, um, it, 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 what was that? Chapel tech or um, uh, Chapultepec Chapultepec. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. Ooh, was, I, don't even, I don't even know how I remember that. That was in yeah, like a little a corner nice of my brain that like, yeah, that was nice reflective. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of bandwidth up there, Rick, but anyway, he, 
it's a course where it doesn't make any sense because it's a tight golf course. You think a, a, a narrow tree line golf course, terrible for an inaccurate driver like Phil Mickelson, but he won there. So again, one of his 45 wins to your point, Rick, but uh, so look, there are some things, sometimes a, a golf course that's tree line that shapes, it has a lot of movement in the fairways. It can, uh, it can become attractive to the eye of Phil Mickelson. But what I see is, just too many holes in the boat. There's not a lot of strength there. There's not a lot of areas where he is compared to his peers elite. And I, I think that causes a, a lot of problems. Even if he has a good driving week, even if he doesn't need to hit a lot of drivers off the tee, there are a lot of concerns through the bag uh, of Phil Mickelson right now. Have you ever seen a um, Vegas vacation where they're at the Hoover Dam and Chevy Chase, you know, tries to plug one leak and another one opens uh, up. Yes, and he's yes. the job and he's good. Like that, that, that's what I see when I see Phil Mickelson's game right now. Just too yeah. many leaks, not enough fingers, not enough gum to plug all the gaps and um, something different every week. I hope he does it. It'd be cool, but yeah, we're it. always rooting for it, of course. Right. Of course. Of course. Yes. Just, not, just not, just fading, just fading it. <laughs> $7,000 range. Here's our, here's the, the really big ranges now, 7,000, 6,000. Uh, we start up top of the sevens with Doug Gim and Pat Perez. That range goes all the way down to a bunch of guys at the flat 7,000. Scott Piercy, Patrick Rogers, Matt Kuchar, Chesson Hadley, uh, Alex Smalley, Chad Ramey, a couple of guys, like new names that we're working with. So Sia, here we go. Now we're getting the mix. We're getting the mix of KFT grads, um, some more established names that we're used to seeing. How do we determine uh, one over the other or two over some other guys? Like there's, there's really just a lot to sift through here. Yeah. And, and I, I don't, as far as the KFT grads, I, I think for me, because I, there's so many other guys I like in this seven K range, it's going to take somebody else convincing me that like taking one of these guys is probably the play. Maybe honestly, maybe that's one of you two guys, but again, there's, there's too many guys I like in the seven K range for me to take a flyer on somebody that, uh, that I'm just not really sure about. So I'll start with, let's say, I mean, Doug Gim is really interesting to me because I think the price is fair in this field. The putter has sort of gotten better. What's failed him lately is the approach game. But Rick, to your point, and again, this is a little bit going down narrative street, but it's like you said, he is a good ball striker. And so the time off actually might have done Doug Gim some good from a ball striking standpoint. If the putter is even decent, I think we're looking at a guy that could absolutely shine on this type of course. So I think Doug Gim is definitely worth consideration, uh, especially if he's not like super high owned, which at this price, I don't think he will be. Um, Lucas Herbert is interesting to me in this field. I will note with him is um, strokes gain par five is he's, I think number two in this field last 24 rounds. And that's where you're going to pick up a lot of scoring on this particular course. So I think he's an interesting guy that'll probably be somewhat low owned. Brian Stewart is a great course fit. I like him quite a bit, mm -hmm. very accurate, uh, a very solid putter. Uh, let's see a couple other names. One I really like that I don't think is too far out of left field, but I don't think he's really in anybody's consciousness is Adam Shank. Um, Adam Shank, he had a pretty good season last season, but it's just notable that, first of all, he's a good putter. Strokes gain par five. He's number eight in this field, last 24 rounds. And, uh, you know, the approach game is is about average. The off-the-tee game is about average. But I think he's a guy at this price that has quite a bit of value. Yeah, Adam Shank is, um, he's just kind of that solid guy you plug in there in the 7K range or 6K range all the time. When, when you have one spot left and you're like, eh, 
Adam Shank's not so bad. I'll go with that guy. See what see what happens. Uh, Greg, now we've got uh, Harry Higgs in this range. We've got Kiradat Afi Barnrett, who just played well, uh, not only at the what the KFT finals, but also it, at the BMW PGA Championship. We've got Brandon Steele, who's won at won this event twice. Like what what else can we snatch out of this range? So I I wrote down four names. Um, one of Brandon Steele. Um, and that's only because of course fit, but I don't like his recent form. So I, I wrote his horrible. name down. Yeah. If you love it, if you feel really good about it for some reason, if you feel like the off season is going to change things and he's going to come back to Napa and, uh, and, and be born again, then I wouldn't, I, I don't hate the play. Cause I think he's, I think he's earned at least a, at least a look. Um, not my favorite play though. So other plays I really like. Kierdek, Epi Barn, right? You just mentioned the court, um, the recent form. And as I was saying earlier, I love a confident player. So I, I have no problem there. Um, the other two I find really interesting, and it's Sahitha Gala and mm-hmm. Dylan Fratelli. Um, th- those two guys have my interest. I'll start with Sahith. So he was a, is one of the Corn Ferry Tour grads. Sia may not be too interested in, but he did finish. Um, he finished. Oh, I clicked off of his name, but he, he had two top six finishes in the last two events, a sixth and a fourth in the last two events on the Corn Ferry Tour. One of those, uh, the Corn Ferry Tour championship at um, it was a really, really d- tough golf course at Victoria National. So I, I really like that finish. That's a sign of confidence um, when, when you can play that way down the stretch when you have to. And on the PGA Tour, he did get seven starts last year. He made four cuts. Um, and, and he had one top 25, which happened to be at the Safeway open mm-hmm. now that that's, that's this event. So he came in tied 14th there. And, and I really like that aspect of his game. He's, he's not an overly long hitter, um, but he's not necessarily short. He'll be right around the 300 mark for the year would be my guess. Um, but when I look at a guy like this, he's confident. He is a, a storied amateur player who got the job done on the corn Ferry tour and he's confident. And I love, I love that. So I circle that he's one of the guys uh, coming out of the corn Ferry tour that I really like, but Dylan Fratelli to me is, is really interesting. And I, I kind of, I'm very curious to see what he does because he is a guy who's really improved off the tee. Uh, he's really improved his driver with a, a, a significant amount of distance gain. He gained like 20 yards from last year to this year. I mean, he was 18th this year on the PGA tour. You follow him on Instagram, Greg, the guy's always in the gym, like constantly yeah, strong. He's, strong. <laughs> yeah. he's, re- he's really strong. I mean, not necessarily bulky like Bryson, but he works on strength. He works on speed. Um, and, and distance has been a, a real priority for him. And, and it put him right in contention at the open championship. He, he came in fifth there, had a chance to win, Without question, uh, he, he missed his next two cuts after that. And then at the Northern Trust, he played OK. Um, he, he came in tied 56. But the three Emmy had a bad round. But in those two missed cuts, three of the four rounds were 69. So I, I don't look at that as a sign of really bad form. It may be a guy who's rounding into form. Uh, and, and on a golf course like this, where we have seen some players in the past do really well with the driver um, or Guys who have done really well have been really good drivers of the ball and long in particular. I think he could be a really good option. He came in tied seventh in 2000. Uh, well, it was 2019, the 2020 PGA Tour season, uh, tied 25th the year before that in 2018. So I, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot to like with Dylan Fratelli this week. 
Interesting. Uh, you mentioned this is the event formerly known as the Safeway Open, which reminds me, Greg, are the the greatest uh, tournament name in golf no longer exists. Prayers up. The Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship is now just the Corrales Punta Cana Championship. Yeah. Um, it's That's disappointing. No <laughs> it, maybe. Uh, yeah. It's no fun. It, it takes away a lot of the sting, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was like, one of my favorites to say. Anytime you mention it, you, you guys know anybody who's a, like a first and last name guy? Even if you're in a group of people who know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You have to get there. They're always like, I have a friend, Nick Denny, who's a, never just Nick. What's right? up, Nick Even Denny? If, right. It's, <laughs> he's always Nick Denny. Hey, Nick Denny. But like, that's his name. And I feel like the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship, that that's the name of that event. And I'm, I'm going to have a hard time um, shortening that in my own vocab. We'll have to settle for the Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba. That's the that's the new name of the Mayakoba event. Oh, boy. Uh, OK, sorry. I'll get us back on track here. Uh, see anyone else in this seven thousand dollar range? Um you know, we've talked a lot about Hank Lebiota over the past couple of months. Luke List is also at the bottom of the seven of the seven thousand dollar range. Um, Doc Redman, Hudson Swafford actually played well down the stretch. Seventeenth at the BMW, eleventh at the Northern Trust, thirty seventh at the Wyndham. Is there anyone else that you'd consider down here before we jump to the the pure six K guys? So I, I I do like List and Hank Lebiota. The only other name I might mention is Tom Hogue. At 7,100. Um, I, I think this is a good course fit. He's a shorter hitter. He can get hot with, he can, I, I, I emphasize can get hot with, a, with the approach game. And, you know, he's flashed here and there. He, his history here is, is decent, you know, miscut 17th, 37th. Um, but fourth at the Northern Trust. I mean, you know, so he's flashed recently. I think he's the type of guy with the type of game that could do well on this course. Right. I, I want to jump in here real quick. If Please. Possible. Um, Hank Lebiota, I'm really glad you mentioned his name. He's at 7,100. Yeah. I, I, this is uh, like a, a great value to me. And see, I, I made a couple of notes on a piece of paper today. I don't always have the chance to do that. There's pluses and minuses. One of the minuses is you, you write down a couple guys, you move on. I found Hank Lebiota after, and I didn't write his name down. And he was he was ringing in my head. You got to play this guy at 7,100. I, I, I don't understand it. If you look at the timeline, he was in Fuego, right? We, we all remember from the Travelers through the John Deere, he couldn't miss. Um, he was a top eight finish in all of those events. At the 3M, he shoots 269s, has to withdraw for a family emergency. At the Wyndham, he shoots 69 in his first two rounds, and that doesn't get the job done there. But it's still it's still fine play. At the Northern Trust, he played a bad round, which many, many players did. Uh, there were a lot of high scores out there. He shot 76 and backed that up with a 69. I feel like there's a lot of value in Hank Lebiota at 7,100. I, I think he's way, way underpriced in this field. I, I, I tend to agree. The, argue, the, the, the best case argument is he's had one bad round in his last, like, 10 tournaments. <laughs> it's basically, right. That's, like, the best case. The worst case is you say, okay, well, he withdrew for the family emergency and he wasn't the same since, so what version are we going to get? Are we going to get the top 10 version with the top 10 upside version, or are we going to get the miscut version? To me, in this field, at this price, it's worth finding finding out if we're going to get the top 10 version because he's like legit top 10 upside at $7,100 right. is pretty hard to find. And and the other thing is before we get to the 6k range, th this isn't that kind of event where you got to get to 600 to make the cut. 
Right. It, it's not going to, well, you do want birdie makers and I agree with Sia. The winner will be probably right around 20 under par. I don't think you're going to see the cut line go like what we see at the American express where it's crazy high and guys shoot five under and miss the cut. I, I don't think you're going to see that. So if, if he gets off to a, another start of back-to-back 69s um, and even though the par is different, the, the length of the golf course is, is not, it, it you, this could be a par 70 for the same price and it would just affect total scoring. So for that reason, I think, I think it's a great opportunity for, uh, to play Hank who's everybody's looking at his arrow as trending down. And I, I don't think, I don't think you're going to see that. I, I don't buy that. Uh, I, I don't buy that. Yeah. There's more to it. Um, yeah. $6,000 range, massive. The 6,900s, a couple of notable names, Danny Willett, Michael Thompson, Scott Stallings, friend of the pot, all the way down to min price. Oh boy. Oh my God. Everybody's min priced. Um, Jonathan bird, Martin trainer, William, a William McGirt sighting. See ya. Uh, I'm not sure we have a min price guy this week in a full field event like this, but I'm sure there's somebody in the six K range we can play. I'm going to throw out a six K guy flat just for the, the for, just for the sport of it. And his name is Chris Stroud. And I'm not going to give you any explanation. I'm, that's, that's my that's guy it. in the six K. That's all you get. <laughs> if you have to jam somebody in, it's Chris Whisper. Stroud. I, I do not recommend that, by the way. If you want to go up, maybe Chase Seifert at 6,100. Seems to be a bit of a miss, misprice, but, I mean, he's likely to miss the cut as well. Uh, there's about three guys that I looked at that I felt were worth maybe talking about when, when we got to the 6K range. Sam Ryder is a guy that Greg is normally on, or, or at least on in, when we get to this sort of punt range. He definitely has upside. It, I'm not looking at it right now, but I believe he has some like pretty decent history here. And so he's, he's one of those. In fourth and nineteen. There we go. So, yeah, obviously he, he, he likes the course enough. And I think he's one of those guys, kind of like Tom Hogue, what we talked about at 7,100, where, you know, are likely, not likely, but can pop here and there and really kind of be a top 10 guy. So that's that's one guy. Uh, Jim Herman is another guy I kind of like. We, we've talked about him a little bit because we had our all Twitter team last month and he made it oh, yeah. and he ended up making the cut and making us some money in DraftKings, I believe. But, he, you know, he's pretty good on approach. Uh, he's a pretty good putter. Uh, he's a pretty good driver of the ball in terms of keeping it in the fairway. Uh, he's 13th in, in this field, last 24 rounds in, in uh, strokes gained par five. Um, he's 21st in birdie or better gained. So I think he's a value, actually. The only other guy I'll, I'll throw out there is Bo Hogue. Um, I, I just, Bo Hogue rates out, rates out really well in my model. He's been really good on approach. Uh, his putter has been solid, you know, not great, but solid. Strokes gained par five, you know, he's in the top 40. Uh, I think there's a lot in birdie or better. He's in the top 20. He's number 19 last 24 rounds. So he's a guy that I think is also maybe a bit of a misprice. Let me throw out a name here. And his name is David Lipsky. Okay. So David Lipsky gets his card from the corn Ferry tour last year, but do not, do not think he has not played on the PGA tour. A- any guesses of what, how many PGA tour starts David Lipsky has? Anybody? Uh, in his career, 28. Um, I'll go 15. Okay. Those weren't bad guesses. 18. He has 18 starts, uh, two top tens, four top 25s. He's made 15 of 18 cuts. He finished eighth at the Palmetto last year. Do you remember that at all? I don't remember that at all. (laughs) I'm still not sure he made the coverage. 
<laughs> he was TA at the Palmetto. He played the WGC last year. He plays he plays those WGCs a lot. Uh, he he played the WGC Mexico in nineteen, finished tenth there. Uh, he is he is uh, f- from what you can tell from the Corn Ferry results and when I saw him play, very well rounded golfer. Sixty seven hundred dollars. He's he's not going to be afraid of the stage that is the PGA Tour. I'm going with David Lipsky out of this range, Greg. Um, who else? can we start adding to our lineups if we want to get the man, the myth, the legend, John Rahman to them? All right. So where are the guys with a little bit of upside here, right? I mean, there, there are some safe options, guys that we're familiar with. There's like the, you see the Ryan armor name, the Scott Stallings name, the Cameron Percy name. These are kind of your, your um, regular six K guys that you may be a little more familiar with, but I, I look at this range as uh, an up and comer range. And, and I think there's opportunity to take guys who are riding a high from what they did in the corn Ferry tour finals and they're really motivated and they're looking at this as a, a real big opportunity, which it is. And the first guy I'll mention is Joshua Creel. Uh, he, he finished eighth and 10th in his last two starts on the corn Ferry tour. He also won back in August in Utah on the corn Ferry tour. So I, I think Joshua Creel is a guy that could, um, that could perform really well. Another guy I wrote down was John Augenstein, um, who has had an interesting start to his professional career after, uh, after finishing runner up, uh, winning the he, he wait a sec he he had a really nice finish in the USAM forgive me I'm 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 messing that up I don't know if he won or finished runner up um, he but anyway runner up to Andy Ogletree yeah okay that's right so runner up in in the USAM that was at Pinehurst um, and and um, so he was really impressive but he comes out on the PGA Tour and and this is what you expect to see out of a rookie he misses a number of cuts. Um, he missed seven of his eight first cuts, but the scores were really high. And, and, and again, when you see missed cuts, it's easy to just write that off as if all missed cuts are created equal. They're not. Well, these missed cuts were really bad. I mean, he mm. shot in the eighties, he's shooting 76, he's shooting 75 and really concerning scores. But I, I think he's kind of settled down a little bit and, and learned a little bit about how to play golf on the PGA tour and his last two starts, he had a, a tied 20th that was all the way back at the Charles Schwab. So there's definitely um, you definitely got to put a check mark there. But after all that time in between, he came in tied 37th at the Wyndham. So maybe a really talented young player who um, has had some experience on the PGA Tour already has learned how to play a little bit. And I think this could be a good golf course for him. Last but not least, I would throw uh, Tyler McCumber in the mix uh, as a guy who uh, another really long hitter. Um, who gets a lot of his work done off the tee with the driver and he has a real ability to pop. And when you're down here in this range, you talk about it all the time, Rick, see you talk about it too. Who has that top 10 equity? If we saw Tyler McCumber near the top of the leaderboard on Sunday, I don't think we'd be surprised. It doesn't happen very often. doesn't happen consistently, but it can happen. And he did it early on last year. Um, and, and I think he could do it uh, again this year with a little bit, um, with a little bit of experience from last year under his belt. So I'm very interested to see how he does this year. Okay. Can I mention one other name that should have, should have made my list? Yes. Uh, Mark Hubbard Uh rates out really well in almost every category. And I, you know, particularly, I mean, really almost every category, but strokes gain par five, um, strokes gain putting, uh, approach. I mean, th- he's in the top 30 in all of those. And I, I, I think he's an interesting guy because we know he also has upside. He's very cheap. 
Yeah, I thought he was like five hundred dollars too too cheap. Um, mm-hmm. Because again, he's being priced. Uh, there, there's the 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 known entity versus the unknown entity arguments you made this week, and he is being priced uh, much cheaper than a lot of unknown entities that might turn out to be pretty sour. But at least we know what we're getting with Mark Hubbard. Sometimes I like the unknown Hubbard. In that case, I do like the note, gentlemen. First DFS preview in the books of the season. What'd you say, Greg? Forty-seven more to go. <laughs> yeah, it might be 42, but it's either 42 or 47. Well, there's there's 48 events, uh, but there's a lot of there's a couple of the alternate events, which I guess we'll just cover the main. The main I, I think, you know, you're right, Rick, 48 events. Um, and that includes the alternate events. So right. we don't quite have 47. Maybe like maybe that's that closer to 43. Yeah, something, something yeah. somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah, so we got a we got a full season ahead of us. Can't wait. Full season. Uh, mega preview pod on Tuesday. Be on the looks for that. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, Sia Najad, who you can find on Twitter at Sia Najad. Greg Ducharme, who you can find at the Real GFD, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.